Live in Corporate is brought to you by Doximity. Doximity is committed to fostering an inclusive and diverse work environment where differences are valued, practices are equitable, and employees experience a sense of belonging that allows them to bring their full, authentic selves daily. As medicine's largest network, there's an elevated level of responsibility to everything we do. We don't take that responsibility lightly and are committed to working towards a more equitable world inside and beyond our virtual office walls. So if you want to learn more about Doximity, go to your app store and type in D-O-X-I-M-I-T-Y. Again, that's D-O-X-I-M-I-T-Y. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast, where you'll not only get the insight to help you transition your career, but we're going to have some raw, unfiltered conversations about equity and access in corporate America. I'm your host, Tristan Layfield of Career Clarity Solutions, formerly Layfield Resume Consulting. And today, I have the honor of having somebody on my show that has been a great help for me while I've been uh, you know, getting my business up and running. Um, she is an award-winning, best-selling author, speaker, executive, and personal coach to Fortune 100. Um, you know, Elle Michelle is the CEO and co-founder of No Silos Communication, LLC, a media and consulting company that blends talent development and strategic communications to develop high-performing executive leaders with a specialty in women and women of color. Um, She is also the author of No Thanks, Seven Ways to Say I'll Just Include Myself, a guide to rockstar leadership for women of color in the workplace. There's two edition of those guys, so you better go and get both of them. Yes. I, have, right, I got I have it on that too. Oh, it's okay. I'll share with look, you a bit. Look, I love a good drop, a good exclusive, <laughs> <Yeah>. okay? <laughs> and she is also the creator and executive producer and host of the Culture Soup Podcast, which is heard in more than 70 countries and debuted at number six on Apple Podcasts in the business category. So, El Michelle, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Tristan, are you kidding me? Like, I mean, I would walk across glass for you. Oh, you're awesome. I appreciate that so much. So, El Michelle and I got connected because I was named um uh, what men of distinction by Black Enterprise. Oh, I forgot um, about that. It's been so long. It's been so long. Yeah, you saw me there and right. then we, we had to connect after that. We ended up on the, your podcast, and yes. now here we are on mine. <laughs> yes. You know, it's funny how things are full circle, but I always say good people connect with good people, and, you know, we stick together. Yeah, absolutely. We totally do. We totally mm-hmm. do. Now, this podcast is really geared towards a lot of job seekers for the most part. Sure. Um, and most of the times we have coaches, resume writers, HR professionals, talent at, uh, talent acquisition people on here. And you're a coach to, to leaders, right? Executive right. leaders. Um, so I like to start out with a couple of questions before we get into some, some popular career news. Sure. Um, so... When you think about leaders right now and executive leaders, what would you say the state of the job market is right now for them? It is a leader's market. We're calling the shots. And we're beginning to see a lot of employers and organizations kind of um, shaking a bit (laughs) in some of the moves that they're making. You can can tell they're a little bit uh, tentative. They're not 
really sure about what to do and you're seeing things pop up like concepts like quiet quitting that suddenly are a thing when quiet quitting has been around a while. But, you know, and what I do, I like to say that I'm like Nike. I'm here for the athlete. I'm here for the leader. I'm not necessarily here to, you know, tell organizations how to be more inclusive. I am here for inclusive leadership and arming those leaders with how they can operate in markets like these. We are in a digital fractured economy. And we were in that before the pandemic and we're even more in it now. And there is a cultural overlay. So we have leaders that can call the shots on their careers if their minds are in the right mindset to do so. Sometimes we get trapped in our own way of doing things, getting in our grind, and we don't realize that we're the only thing holding us back. And I was able to watch a few clients do some amazing things during the pandemic, let alone after the pandemic. Um, I made sure that I asked at least eight of them. Um, There are over 75 of them that I've worked with over the course of the pandemic and such. And just eight of them were able to collect over a million dollars in um, increased um, pay and um, perks and, you know, their income increased just over that time frame um, of us working together. And part of that was because they realized that things had changed. We could not unsee what we saw and that they could move around geographically in ways that they hadn't before. I had one client forex her salary and she was working for a a well-known company in Seattle. There are a couple there, so you can probably figure out which one. And he simply raised her profile during the time frame and wound up with four different offers from big companies, including her own, to move up internally. And her dream was to move to the South, to North Carolina, to be closer to friends and family and have a front yard and all this for her kids, backyard and such. And she was able to do all of that during that time frame. And she's working for a company that's based in LA and she is calling the shots. So it's just one example of how leaders can call the shots on their own career during this time. And a lot of employers are reluctantly taking note Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I completely agree with you. I actually recently had a client, uh, we've been working on raising their digital profile and upgrading their documents and mm-hmm. things of that sort. And she actually ended up getting an, a new job with about $80,000. Wow. It is a candidate's market right yes. now. Well, we got a, about a 3.7% unemployment rate mm-hmm. and we got more positions out there than, than people actually on the market. Right. So I 100% agree with you. Now, thinking about the, the leaders that are on the market, what tips do you have for them in finding a new role? What, what would you say are the most important things for them to focus on? You know, it's so important to really understand what your value is. And that's beyond the market value, but you'd be amazed at how many people don't even know what their market value actually is. And you probably have shared with clients to look at that entire package, not just their bring home, but you need to look at everything. And we call it that total 
forgotten total, total rewards, compensation yeah, total rewards compensation and you would typically get the sheet of paper that would explain all of it and whether it's digital or whatever and sometimes it's two or three pages but that number at the bottom of that sheet that's the one you need to start with <laughs> in fact you probably need to add more on top of it when you actually start talking to people about your next position so that's one thing know your market value but you need to know your intrinsic value too and this is where a lot of us miss it. We've been accustomed to allowing others to deem our value. And sometimes that's very much associated with our job titles. It's associated with even culturally what our parents and, and generations before have deemed is our value based on our last names. And you know what? At the end of the day, that's nice, but that really isn't your value. <laughs> your value is locked into that one thing, that one problem that you can solve. And until you can identify what that is, it's going to be hard to communicate your value to a prospective employer. So do the hard work. You can get with Tristan. You can get with somebody like me who can help you do that hard work. And a lot of that has to do with knowing who you are. And again, that's beyond your surname is beyond your job title. It really is going in and finding out what were those significant moments in your past that shape who you are today. I like to say that there are keys to your future and your past. And until you can look at the good, bad, the ugly, and understand how that shapes you and what your leadership platform is, it's going to be hard to share with somebody else what you can do for them. Ooh, Deaconess L. Michelle Smith yeah. preaching on the mic, right? <laughs> go, go ahead and oh, tell yeah. them. <laughs> now, I, that's exactly what I tell my clients too. I mm -hmm. tell them everybody has what I call your unique value proposition, yes. right? It's the thing that sets you apart from everybody else on the market. And you really need to figure out what that is and be able to hone in on that and sell that to really show a company what their return on investment Absolutely. In is going to be. Right? And you know what? It doesn't just start with the professional. I believe because my, my coaching is grounded in applied positive psychology and now more neuro, neuroscience. I'm embedding that too. But there's a straight line between your personal and professional. And we didn't learn this um, better than when we were locked down during the pandemic. How many of you were forced to have all of it under one roof? <laughs> it was hard to say that you had a professional self and a personal self because little Billy was upstairs doing homeschool, right? And you were down there trying to keep it together, trying to make sure the Instacart came on time, right? All of these things. It was very easy to see and visualize during that time. But even when you're, you're thinking of going back to work and going back into those walls, you really don't leave yourself at the door when you walk into that building, the same person walks into that building that has all the same feelings, all the same problems, all the same challenges, all the same joys and, and, and things that make you happy. And until you can connect the dots between those two people, because it really isn't, there's really only one, um, you won't be able to fully realize the value that you bring to the world, let alone some position. Yeah.
Yeah. Oh my gosh. You, you are telling, <laughs> you are telling me everything I wanted to hear. Yes. I tell, I talk to clients all the time about how, um, you know, there's no, there's no real distinction between you and work. You no. are, you, you and work are one in the same at this point. Um, there's a work life integration yes. that happens, right? Yes. Um, and I think we need to really recognize that and, and figure out how we also leverage those personal things to really get to where we're trying right. to go as and well. You know, I mentioned the cultural overlay. Mm -hmm. uh, when I speak of culture, and I'm a student of culture, have been all of my life. And when I speak of culture, I'm not just talking about race, gender, that kind of thing. I'm talking about all the microcultures that go along with it, right? Um, so many things have happened to us in our culture within the past three years, beyond the fact that we're all traumatized. Many of these impact the way we show up, whether it's at work or at home. So um, I was responding to some of these things with my clients when they happened. One of those things was um, the lack of indictment of the Breonna Taylor um, killers. <laughs> Let's just call them who they were, right? That's the what they are. went in and shot her, right? And this was uh, before her family actually got a settlement. This was, this was back a ways. And this information came over the news during work hours. And many of my clients were still at home. They weren't even doing hybrid yet. But I realized that I had some black females out there that were hurting. And the question became, I wonder if their employers are giving them space to really process what is going on. Are they suffering through it? You know, grin and bear it type of thing, even if they were having to do Zoom calls. And so I reached out and said emergency group coaching for anybody that wants to come, whether you're a client or not. Here's the number, here's the Zoom link, show up at this hour. And it was so amazing to see how many of these women were struggling at work because of the news that was going on. That's just one example. We had to have one for parents around Uvalde and what happened in, in Ohio, in Columbus, Ohio. We had parents, we had folks of color who were just reeling after the gun violence, but they were still very much at work trying to make it happen. There's no separating the two. You're all one person. Yeah, 100%. The personal affects the professional yeah. all the time and vice versa. It just is what it is. And sometimes we're we're carrying around personal baggage that impacts our professional careers oh, and we don't even and we know go it, there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right? so. mindfulness as well. And one of the things that we've discovered is that many professionals have not dealt with the trauma from a past job mm -hmm. and they bring it into the new job, very much like relationships. You've heard all the TikTok therapists, you know, mm -hmm. and say that before you can really get into this, you got to heal. We don't do that at work. So we no. go through some mindfulness exercises to, like Marvel, send some of these villains back to their universes, heal them and send them on. Look, I'm a Marvel nerd. I, I love, love a good love reference. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. so, so keeping on that same vein, right? Mm -hmm. What are a couple of things you think recruiters or hiring managers need to understand about the the leaders and candidates that are searching for jobs right now? Yeah. What do you think they need to know about them? You know, when folks were calling it the great resignation, I was calling it the great opt out. And the reason is because so many of these organizations forgot the point, the salient point that they weren't just resigning. They had options. 
And it's because of the great democratization of the internet that we all have this option <laughs> and that these recruits are going to exercise their options. So you can't just treat them like a number, first of all. You need to treat them like they're not just uh, the next candidate. They're, they're a very, very viable candidate and they, they, they really require your respect. I, I've seen some horror stories about how uh, recruiters just leave people hanging. They don't know what's going on. They don't follow up. They don't share what's really going on with the position and just leave these leaders dangling in the wind. Guess what? They're going to go into the next big offer <laughs> and, and take that next job. You can't afford to be that way. The other thing is we've got two new generations here. Um, in fact, well, you've got one new one. The the millennials, come on now. Can we can we just level set here? <laughs> They're grown. Okay. They are. They got they got families. Many of them are knocking on the door of the C-suite. They're already there. Bozeman St. John is a poster child for the millennial C-level executive. Okay. Yeah. She does exactly what uh, millennials do and they have done in HR professionals and those professionals who work with them who were Gen X and, and boomers that criticize them. We're all now looking at them and going, they knew something we didn't. Mm. They move every 18 months, two years, three years to the next gig. And they were called disloyal and then boy, they were job hopping. No, they were not. <laughs> they were making sure that they were getting what they deserve, the money, the title. And now this is the way we need to operate because we know that companies won't be keeping professionals for more than three to five years. And that was before the pandemic. The numbers are even thinner now. So recruiters need to understand that we're now centering ourselves instead of centering that company. And we do understand that this is transactional. Words like loyalty, family, it's a family organization. All of that we see through it now. And part of that's because many of us have been educated on the internet, right? Yeah, All go. the information is coming at us. And we've got YouTube University. We've got TikTok therapists. We've got all of these things. And we're more informed now. And we understand that we can center ourselves and then go find our value somewhere where someone is actually going to value us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think candidates are really feeling more empowered than ever. Oh, right? they're, they're realizing the that time. they actually are a part of this process. They don't have to let companies and organizations dictate things. And they isn't it so different from the way we were taught? Like I'm Gen X, okay? And my nice boomer parents who were very grounded in, you get that paper, you get that good job, you go to that good school, you put your head down and you work. Someone will pat you on the, tap you on the shoulder when it's time to move up. If not, you get that pension, you get that retirement, you go get the vacation home and you retire 30 years later. That is not the scenario. But so many of us Gen Xers tried to live that out mm -hmm. and then found out that doesn't quite work. Mm -hmm. We have to be merchandising ourselves. We have to advocate for ourselves. We have to be our own best advocates. These were things that our parents didn't think about because they were really just trying to survive. Mm -hmm. And now we're in an age of access and choice. Even though we still have some discrimination, we've still got racism, we still got some microaggressions going on, but we have more choices than our parents ever did. So to try to live out 
what our generation before lived out today is a huge mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Look, you've given so many gems. I really, really appreciate it. Y'all better sop these up and then y'all yes. better go read the book and then yes. y'all better re reach out to him. Michelle, I'm telling y'all. <laughs> now, I like to I like to have a little popular uh, job news segment where we sure. talk about something that's really hot, um, you know, in the news, trends that are going on. And one of the biggest things that is trending right now is bosses sort of or companies sort of are forcing people back into the office and instead of doing remote work. So so first and foremost, I sent you a little article from the Wall Street Journal and all that stuff. But first and foremost, I just want to get your take on that. What do you think about people getting forced back into the office? I will repeat, we cannot unsee what we saw. And what is. we saw was people were not only as productive as they were before the pandemic, before we went home for a lockdown, they were even more productive. They got mm -hmm. the work done, they got it on time, and they did not need to be micromanaged in order to do it. They were taking care of their families and they were even working probably more hours because it's very easy to slip into working, you know, off hours or mm -hmm. into the night or early in the morning. We were more productive and we gave even more than we did sitting in front of each other every day. Yeah. That's the reality of it. And I know these companies got these big leases. They got this big properties that they spend a lot of money on. We saw some liquidate during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. We saw others lease out their space. But the reality is that we know as the leader what we can do when we have the opportunity to have the flexibility. And this is really a matter of trust. We have companies that are kind of falling back. They're, they're backsliding into their old ways. <laughs> I'm saying, you must be here. You must clock in, clock out. Because let's face it, that's a matter of distrust. Mm -hmm. And so if you show that distrust to your people, how are they going to respond? They're going to respond with pushback. They're going to push back because guess what? They know they saw it. They know that they were able to do the work and they delivered, they over-delivered, even when they were caretaking for a family member who might've been sick. And the other part of it is trust of the employee, the employee, the leader. This is a matter of trust for them too. For a company to say, you must come back. Suddenly you're going to eke into their trust for you. What is this really about? Raising these questions. Do you want to watch me? Um, issues about card swipes were issue, issues way long before the pandemic ever happened. And that's a privacy issue. People are very aware that they're being watched through their computers. That when they swipe in that they're being, you know, um, counted in or out or how many times they've been in. And why give them way more, far more reasons to distrust you as an organization than you actually have. I think in that same article, they mentioned that in, with some of these companies that didn't force it, they just said, you're welcome to come back. Many of the people just came. Yeah. They just did. Yeah. That was Spotify. Them. 
Yeah, that was Spotify who did that. They gave their 8,600 employees an option to come back. And they said more people came back than they expected did. Look at that. To. They, they said about 60% of their workforce uh, decided to come back into the office a majority of the time. It's like, you know, if you recruit grownups and then you treat them as kids, it's going to backfire, right? Exactly. That's a literal, a literal exactly. quote directly and, from the article. Yeah. And then, too, you have to be cognizant of the culture you created. Yes. So if you created a culture that is collegial and people are working face to face and they were more productive doing that and people actually liked one another and they didn't feel like, you know, my gosh, I got to face this Karen again Mm -hmm. or this mansplainer Mm -hmm. in this conference room again. If you are fostering those environments, they are not going to want to come up and come back. In fact, um, women and women of color were some of the first to be vocal about this before companies were even saying coming back because they mm-hmm. found some psychological safety behind their cameras in Zoom where they had the option to turn that camera off and not face the white spinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They well, like to deal with those, those microaggressions all the time. Productive. Yeah. Yeah, if you're not dealing with microaggressions all the time and having to process and work through those things, you can be more productive, right? Um, and so, so yeah, 100%. And I just find it interesting, sort of the reasons that people are talking about getting people back into the office, right? We're talking about, oh, it, it, it will promote collaboration and energize the corporate culture and help younger employees connect with colleagues and this, that, and the other. And I, I'm really confused as to why they're acting like these things can't happen virtually, okay. right? Those are those are fine. Whatever. I mean, those are those are good talking points. They look good in the Wall Street Journal. But let's bottom line this here for a minute. Yeah, it's a business decision. I spoke to a CMO of a very well known cosmetic company, right? And I asked her, you know, because a lot of people not only found love during the pandemic, you know, they found other places to live across the country. Some people relocated to Hawaii. They they mm-hmm. went to all sorts of places. And they found their little solace and they were chugging away working and it was mm-hmm. working. And I asked, why would her company ask everyone to come back? And she said, you know what? There are some tax laws in many of these states that are all over the map. Some are this way, some are that way. And if you have employees that have relocated to places with different tax laws, the books get really messy. And I said, you know what? I wish more companies would just be more transparent and say that. Instead of saying, well, you know, it's just, it's the culture that we have. We just, we want you to be there because we just, we're a family. Lies. 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 100%. And here's the other thing. I raised that point to another C-level executive and said, you know, this is what some companies are saying. There's a tax liability that's pretty weird on the books. If we have employees that all lived in a certain area scattered across the country. And they said, you know what? I, I mitigate this kind of thing for companies all the time. It can be mitigated and handled very quickly. And it was like, bloop, that wasn't even really. 
<laughs> it, it's just a matter of where they want to invest their time, yes. money, and energy. It's simply that, right? And, and, and more transparency would definitely go far instead of sort of seeming like you're not embracing the future of work and teaching people how to operate in it and just sort of pushing it away, right? If you just absolutely try to be as transparent as possible, I think people will be more sympathetic with your cause, but that's just me. Um, <laughs> so, so, El Michelle, I appreciate you coming on. We do oh, have to wrap up here now. Hey, but... you my tea? Yeah, I was, I was literally just Nobody about to get to that. Yet. Yeah, what's up? What's Nobody up? Nobody knows yet. So, No Thanks, the remix, mm-hmm. second edition that won the big award from the National Association of Black Journalists. In fact, I did my whole uh, book signing at Caesars Palace just this year for that award, which is a blessing. I'm releasing a paperback October 15th. Nobody knows that but you at this point. Come through exclusive. I'm here for it. Yes. I'm so excited. Well, congratulations to you with all of the success in the book. And I'm excited for the paperback to come out. I have your book on um I have your book on Audible. Oh good. (laughs) So so I'll be purchasing the paperback copy because you know I gotta support. Um, but y'all absolutely make sure you support her as well. Elle Michelle, tell people where they can find you on these Absolutely. You can go to elmichellesmith.com or you can follow me on TikTok. I'm on TikTok. I'm not doing as many woes these days, (laughs) but I share a lot of great insights and coaching advice, that kind of thing on TikTok, Instagram, and uh, Twitter. My handle is L. Michelle Speaks. Um, On Facebook, I'm at the L. Michelle Official. No, no, it's L. Michelle Smith Official on Facebook. I had to remember. And of course, on LinkedIn is L. Michelle Smith and YouTube. There we go. Y'all go and give her a follow. Check her out. Check out the book. Once again, thank you so much for the gems you dropped, my friend. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Call me back anytime. Oh, believe me, we will. (laughs) Bye. This episode of Live in Corporate is brought to you by Blind. Blind is a trusted community of more than 5 million verified professionals. On Blind, professionals connect and have honest discussions about salaries and what it's really like to work at or interview with a company. You can also join your private company channel to have a candid and safe conversation with your coworkers about what's really going on. And because it's anonymous, you can be honest and trust what you read. Check out teamblind.com to get the latest insights and the answers to your workplace questions.